MSW Media. Folks, before we get rolling with today's episode, I have a question for you. Have you always wanted to live in breathtaking Sonoma wine country with a $10,000 per month salary and rent free for a whole year? Well, guess what? Our friends at Murphy Good Winery got you covered. Go to murphygoodwinery.com for information about a really good job. That's right. You're going to shoot a video. You're going to send it in. You're going to tell the folks at Murphy Good why you deserve a really good job. And then I hope you're going to get that job. I really do. Again, $10,000 a month salary, rent-free for a year. Oh, and did I mention a year's supply of wine? A bottle a day. This is the greatest thing ever, and if I could have the job, I would. But they won't let me have it. You, though, you got a shot. MurphyGoodWinery.com. It's called a really good job, and best of luck to you. Hey, it's Joe DeRosa, and I'm sober for once, which is ironic, because I'm here on the What Are We Drinking Today podcast with my buddy Dan Dunn. Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill, it's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking, but this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Sing, everybody. Moments of dreams I was offered to save. I live less like a workhorse, more like a slave. I thought that one quick moment that was noble or brave would be what you're listening to there is Dawes, the band Dawes, with special guest vocals by Dan Dunn, uninvited, I might add. Uh, Dawes is an American rock band from Los Angeles, California, where I'm coming to you from right now. And uh, I got to hang out with them recently in New York City. And I'm going to have an interview coming up with the main songwriter vocalist, Taylor Goldsmith, among many interviews on this episode of the show. We were at the Whiskey X in Brooklyn, New York. I emceed it. May 11th at Industry City in Brooklyn. Now, the Whiskey X, you've heard me talk about it before on this show, is simply the best whiskey festival in the United States. They kicked off about a year or two before COVID and things were just humming along and then COVID came along, shuttering down. But it's so great to have them back up and have these events happening again. There's another one happening June 2nd in Chicago. For tickets, go to thewhiskeyx.com. Now, in New York, there were about 1,500 people in this incredible space in Industry City, and it's so refreshing to see people out just living again. I get it. COVID's not over. We are not out of the woods. But I also think if you're vaxxed, you're boosted, we're learning to live with it. And 
I would take what we've got right now over the fear that we had before. I couldn't handle any more fear or apprehension. I to be out in the world mixing with people with similar interests, a love of whiskey and music and and just socializing. I was great. I wish you were there. And if you were there, I wish you would have come up and said hi to me. What's cool about the Whiskey X is they have booths, about 70 different brands pouring there. And at every booth, they're not just pouring you whiskey and sending you on your way. If you have questions, they've got ambassadors there. You can, you can ask questions. You can, you can find out stuff about the stuff you like. You're going to leave there smarter than you were when you, when you arrived. For instance, I got a chance to talk to Robert Ferreira, who is the National Whiskey Ambassador for Pernod Ricard. Pernod Ricard, one of the biggest spirits brands in the world. Robert knows what he's talking about. And I have always wanted an answer to a question about one of the most unusual aging techniques for whiskey that I have ever heard of. I wanted to know, frankly, if it was bullshit. And I don't think it is. It's not bullshit. It's fantastic whiskey. This is crazy what they do with this whiskey. And let's hear it. One that's really interesting, gotten a lot of press. I want to get it from the mouth of babes here. Jefferson's Ocean. Talk about the unique aging process of this whiskey. Yeah. So what we do is we start off with a uh, Kentucky straight bourbon. So about six years old, give or take. And then what we do is we send it out to sea. Uh, initially, it was started with a ship called O-Search. O-Search is a vessel that travels the world, tagging and releasing great white sharks. So there's a lot of marine biology. Uh, it's awesome. We start off with three barrels, five barrels, ten barrels. We're now with our current uh, voyage, Voyage 26, which is our rye ocean. It's, uh, we're up to 600 barrels, which might sound like a lot, but it's still not that big. But what we're doing is we're, you know, we're pushing the boundaries of what you can do with a bourbon. And the, what the ocean is doing is... It's, it's constantly being agitated. The, the boats are rocking back and forth. Some voyages hit hurricanes. Uh, some hit higher temperatures. Some hit lower temperatures. So traditionally, they go in and out of the port at, in Savannah, Georgia. They travel the world. They touch five continents, uh, hit cross the equator four times, and hit 30 ports of call. Each voyage is going to be completely different. We have our traditional bourbon mash bill, and we take that one as well. And we also have a cask strength version of that one. Then we also do one with our weeded mash bill. And then what we have today, which we're featuring, is our brand new Double Barrel Rye Ocean, which is the first one we've ever released, which is pretty cool. And that's Voyage 26. Now, each voyage is going to be completely different because, you can't, again, you can't replicate the ocean. So it's almost like the ultimate collector's whiskey because once that voyage is gone, it's gone. You can't not replicate it. So that's really cool. I would never question this, but there are some people out there that might say, oh, this sounds like a gimmick. What is it about being out on the open ocean and being agitated? Sir? What is it doing to the whiskey. Yeah, so besides, so when it's constantly being agitated, it's having more contact with the wood. So it's picking up more of those vanilla car- caramelization flavors, maybe some more baking spices. But more importantly, it's the, the constant high temperature and the constant drop to the lowest temperature. It's really impacting that. We're also getting a lot more of the salinity because you're out in the ocean, you get all that salt air and the pressure. It all really helps react to whiskey. That's why they're all so unique. So one of my favorite things to do is, which we're doing tonight, is we're tasting two voyages next to each other. So, because, you know, if you taste one, you're like, oh, I get it. But no, are they all really different? Yes, taste them side by side, which is, I think is a really cool thing. Is there a, a saline quality to the whiskey? One, sure. 100%. Some are definitely saltier than others. Um, something we've been doing a little before, which we were talking about off camera, is that we're doing stuff with oysters in ocean. Partnering with local restaurants throughout the country, uh, using you know trying to use locally sourced oysters, whether we're in the East Coast, West Coast, or if we're in the Gulf, uh, and doing like three or four different types of oysters. 
By the way, how great does that sound right now? Oysters and bourbon. I don't know. Can can you answer that? It depends on when you're listening to the show. It could be you're on your way to work at 7 a.m. in your car, and you might be thinking maybe oysters and bourbon don't sound that great, or maybe you're thinking they are. Maybe you hate your fucking job. I don't know. But to me, it sounds great. I love oysters, and I love whiskey. We're letting the chefs do whatever they want. They want to serve them naked, or if they want to make special mignonettes with bourbon, or oysters Rockefeller, and tasting three, four different voyages side by side. And the fun part is, too, we make sure that everybody pours a little bit of whiskey in the shell after they eat the oyster. And they're so good. Like, people always think about oysters and wine or oysters and champagne, but or even scotch whiskey. But with the, with the ocean, it's, re, it's really cool. I'm going to try Jefferson's Ocean for the first time. What expression do I start with? Great. Great question. I love it when people say I ask great questions. And by the way, I've had Jefferson's Ocean before. I'm asking as a proxy for those of you who have not, because I care about you. I'm here for you, friends. So today we have uh, Voyage 24 and Voyage 26. 26 is the ride. I was talking about it's a brand new one. If you like spicy, big, bold flavors, that's, that's your whiskey. I'm really digging the 24 right now because it's actually a special voyage. So I mentioned before that they travel the world, you know, uh, uh, 30 ports of call, cross the equator four times. 24 is actually an extremely unique one. It's our bourbon mash bill, but instead of leaving uh, Savannah, Georgia, it actually left Port Everglades in Fort Lauderdale. And it only was in the Caribbean. So St. Croix, St. Thomas, St. Lucia, Dominican Republic, Panama, a couple other places in the Caribbean. And it was only exposed to high heat. So that high heat's going to bring out a little more residual sweetness from the whiskey splashing around the cask. That one I'm really digging right now because we don't know if we're going to do another one that's going to be in the Caribbean. That was Robert Ferreira of Pernod Ricard. Speaking of the Caribbean, fun fact, they made a wildly popular series of movies about pirates that was set in the Caribbean. Starred an actor by the name of Johnny Depp. There's a name you probably haven't heard in a while, right? Close your eyes and pretend it's all a bad dream. That's how I get by. As anyone who pays even the slightest bit of attention to me knows, Fresh Victor is my favorite mixer brand in the world. You know what? Screw it. It's my favorite in all the universe. They make 100% fresh, juice-based, cold-pressed, preservative-free, refrigerator-worthy cocktail mixers. All their ingredients are real, they're all recognizable, easy to pronounce. Lime, mint, ginger. See what I mean? Easy. Fresh Victor mixers are kosher, non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and light on calories. Although they don't taste like it. Their seven award-winning flavors mix deliciously with any spirit, wine, or sparkling water. Not only does Fresh Victor live and breathe sustainable practices, but they champion them. All their ingredients are fair trade, the packaging is recyclable, and the juicing plant is 100% solar. You get the drift. Right now, Fresh Victor is offering a pretty juicy deal to my listeners. Simply go to freshvictor.com, fill up your shopping cart, and at checkout, enter promo code WWD20. Get 20% off your order. Now's the time to treat yourself to the very best mixers on the market. And that's Fresh Victor. Everybody, this is Dan Dunn coming to you from the Whiskey X Brooklyn scenic industry city and joining me now is a man who uh plays the guitar he writes songs he writes lyrics does had a baby recently his band dawes about to put out their eighth studio 
album in July. Very excited to have Taylor Goldsmith here with me. How are you, brother? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. This is exciting. You're about to, you're about an hour or so away yeah. from going on stage in front of a couple thousand people here. Uh, you're a native Angelino, mm -hmm. but uh, when you play New York, there's just got to be that extra something, right? There really is. I mean, uh, we have a lot of you know friends and, and family uh, that are that are living in LA, living in New York, so we're always seeing people we don't get to see very much. Um, and just you know, like you, whenever you're in New York, you make a week out of it. You make a you make a stay out of it. So my family's here, and well, we were actually impressed for my my wife's music uh, yesterday. We played the Fallon, so it's been like a lot of. Um, very sensational week. A lot going on. Yeah. Your wife, uh, Mandy Moore, of yeah. course. Uh, I want to raise a toast. You guys have a uh, one-year-old. Just, yeah. so just turned one a little while ago, yeah. right? I, Gus. I follow you on the social media. To, to Gus. To Gus. Here we go. Let's have a little... Mm. And what we're drinking, because uh, Taylor made it known he likes the peaty scotches. Okay? Yeah. And this one right here is about as peaty as it gets. This is uh, Port Charlotte which is a, uh, an Isla Malt. You know, have you been over in Scotland? Uh, yeah, but I haven't done the whole, like, like the Scotch, like, tour okay. right, the way I want to. Yeah, you got to do it, man. It's a lot of fun. So Isla is a little island off the west coast of Scotland. A lot of people, you'll hear it mispronounced, Islay. Yeah, that's what yeah, I would have said. But it's Isla. Okay. And Isla is the home of the peatiest Scotches. Now, the, you, the peat is an actual ground source right. that they use to, to, uh, to smoke the barley. Okay, mm -hmm. and that's where you're getting that really earthy, vegetal taste that's coming yeah. here. That's from the peat. Yeah. Nice. What do you think of this one? I love it. I really love it. Yeah, it's very, it's got some oomph. Yeah. You're going to be able to perform after this one? Um, if I, as long <laughs> as I keep it to this, I should be fine. What is, I, I wonder now, because like, you get the old, you know, the heyday of rock and roll. Yeah. Like, the, you know, the legendary stuff with like Zeppelin, all these bands, or, you know, Keith Richards, they had to wake him up because he drank yeah. a bottle of Jack Daniels. It's not like that now, right? No, it's funny. I mean, I knew, like, when we were all in our early 20s, it was. Um, and, and some of those guys were able to keep that going. But I, but most of the time, uh, the guys that really were, you know, committed to a certain lifestyle, they ran out of gas. And the, and the, and the people that are still doing it, our friends that are, that are still uh, playing and touring and, and, you know, growing their audience, they're in the gym every morning they're finding out the juice bars in every town and if they do drink it's like after the set's over it's really funny because yeah there was a time where it seemed like people were just bulletproof and but maybe you know maybe even people like keith were exceptions maybe it was like most of the most of them were dropping like flies and everyone was marveling at the fact that he was still well, doing it i think <laughs> look eventually the bill comes due yeah for everybody yeah. keith richards quit smoking yeah and, he, and i think i saw an interview he said he barely drinks anymore he wow. has like a glass of wine or whatever but uh yeah, it's it's a different scene, and as you said, I mean, I've got a friend now who's started a company. She used to work with uh, what do they call Portugal the Man, mm -hmm. and she started her own uh, food fitness. So basically, bands hire her oh, to cool. plan out their meals and everything on the tour, so that it's super healthy. They get your energy levels. Is she, is she like a chef too? Yeah, she's doing all. She's no, on she's, the tour. She's amazing. Oh, no, wow. she's, so she just started that, and I was laughing. I'm going. Is this rock and roll now? <laughs> Where's the cocaine guy? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's uh, weird. It's it's funny how like that that's it's a, it's such a different school. I I talk to different um, guys and bands about like health tips and like wait how do you guys where do you guys put your gym gear? And it's really embarrassing. <laughs> so your band got together what about two thousand nine? First album's two thousand nine. We were yeah. we were kicking it around around two thousand eight. Okay, trying and to out in LA. So yeah. where were you playing in the early days? 
Places like Tangier, if we can get opening slots at Troubadour for anybody. Um, uh, Silver Lake Lounge, which is now called the Satellite. Uh, um, no, no, that, wait, Satellite was Spaceland. Silver Lake Lounge Space is still there. Land, yeah. Um, Echoplex, Echo. Like, so it was just all, like, anytime we can get a 7 p.m. or an 8 p.m. and eventually got some residencies. Like, we played every Tuesday night at the Hotel Cafe, and then there was a spot down in San Diego we played every Wednesday night. So we felt really professional because we had, you know, two gigs a week. Um, and from there, we just were able to roll it into our first tour. Well, um, when does it pop? Like, when's the moment when you realize, oh, this thing's happening now? Well, it's funny. We were, we were, we've made our first record, and I was working at an insurance place, like talking to, to contractors about like pool heaters and stuff. And when you make, when rough. you, so you're doing the day job, do you make the record on your own or do you get signed? It was, it, we made the record on our own. We, okay. Our producer was like starting out as a producer. He's really accomplished now. Does people like Angel Olsen and Father John Misty. And, but at the time he was, he was always a professional musician, but him as a producer, he was just starting out. So he was kind of doing it on the cheap. We put all the money that we ever had into it, which wasn't very much. And I looked at, I remember making that first record thinking, this is it. We're making this for, to show our friends and friends and family. And then I'm going to go back to my insurance job. And it, then we'll we'll be happy we made it. And um, we there was this band. You, you, some folks might have heard of them. This band Delta Spirit. Yeah. Um, they were going. They were kind of popping, playing like those like eight hundred person rooms, thousand person rooms in some cases. And and they were selling out these rooms. Um, and they're like, we're going on this tour. We have a, we have an opener already, but we want to bring you out for first of three. Our manager doesn't want us to. Our agent doesn't want us to. But we're insisting on bringing you. We can only pay you fifty bucks a show for the whole band. And you're like, fuck it, we made it. And and, <laughs> and that was the moment. And it was like so, um, like it, it was so like it was so clear to us on the day that we left for tour was also the day that we had to move out of the house that we all lived in as a band. So okay. we packed up our van. We went through the house one last time, totally empty, and it was like onto the first gig in San Francisco. And so we had, we had no home. I mean, it was like, we were, I feel like we were the last of a certain school of rock bands that could, that could do that. I know it's still happening, but it's, but it's uh, the, like that was, we were, there was no financing, there was no label, there was no yeah. manager. It was just us. It was not even a tour manager. Um, and then from that tour, we met the, our future manager, we met our future label. Um, and that's when it was like, okay, this might actually be a job for a this little could while. Go. And it still feels that way. Some people ask, like, what's it like to be successful? And it's like, I, I'll let you know when, when it well, happens. You hear, actors, <laughs> you hear actors say that all the time. And I'm, we're talking, you know, yeah. Hugh Jackman. Yeah. This could be it. This could be my last job. Do you, you, you ever feel that I remember, way? Like, I remember, like, an interview. State fairs for us after that. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. I remember an interview between Robert Duvall and Robert Downey Jr. where one, one Robert asked the other Robert, what's your greatest fear? And he says, to never work again. And the other said, me too. (laughs) And it's like De Niro. But yeah, I mean, that's definitely always the concern. I think if you are a creative person uh, or an uh, artistic person in some way, I think you have to deal with, and I'm I'm not trying to sound, I'm not trying to make this sound special or cool, but I think you deal with this heightened sensitivity or this heightened imagination. And if you can't apply your imagination to your creativity, you apply it to your anxiety. Yeah. If I can't sit down and write a song, I'll start inventing stories about my future, which are definitely horrible. Um, so I think that, like, that's why that comes up for songwriters, musicians, actors. It's because, like, you start to tell yourself the five-year plan, and everybody's version of the five-year plan is, is pretty abysmal yeah. <laughs> if, you, if they give themselves over to those fears. So, um, yeah, I never, I've never felt settled in it. I've never felt like there's that safety net and I look at artists that are like those few steps ahead and like they must feel that safety net but I bet you they don't 
Which is Probably crazy. not. Well, yeah. I mean, but there's also the element of having, you also have to have a great capacity for self-delusion, right? Yeah. In order, and I'm talking mainly people that are maybe back where you guys were back then, where like, yeah, you have to really, despite all evidence, that yeah. nobody wants to talk to us, nobody wants us. You even said, the band wanted you and they're mad at, no, we don't want you. We don't. Yeah. But you just got to think, someone's out there. Yeah. And in your case, it was, you know, that's going to, that's going to see that what yeah, we're doing a, is good and they're going to give us our shot. It's weird because, yeah, you're right. There is a, there's, a, there's, an, there's an element of hubris of, like, I have to believe that what I have to say is worth someone's time. Oh, yeah. And that's, that, there's some, there has to be some confidence behind that. But you, you also get beat the shit out of regularly. And so, like, you, you end up in this place of, like, oh, I assume if you've heard of my band, you hate me. Which is crazy, but sure. that's like there. There are cycles. I feel like in any artist's career, where where you're in that mindset. So it's a weird. It's 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 two completely opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of your relationship with your self confidence. And 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 essentially, you brought <laughs> at the same time. And also your 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 relationship with yourself, your mm-hmm. bandmates, and also the fans. Like you said, you just made like it's always that thought because I was I was listening to your music and and I've been a fan for a while, and it's like you guys have this. To me, living out in Los Angeles now, it's kind of that quintessential cruising on Mulholland, you know, or going down the PCH. Where and 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 I can see what you mean. Where like someone like ah oh, man, yeah, it's like the Eagles. Yeah. So you yeah, know, like, but I'm not saying that you you are. I think no, no, it's totally. definitely more of I think more like the Joni Mitchell sort of stuff. Right. Where it's just this, it feels good. The music's great. The lyrics are great, and it's just like I, I'm gonna just chill. Yeah. Drive my car down and. It's great to see it now that I heard the new album. Mm-hmm. I was reading, is you going a little bit more intense on yeah, this one? Yeah, like we just, I mean, for ever since we've 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 been a band, um, I, I I think I'm kind of a, the the lowest guy on the totem pole in terms of musicianship. I'm proud of the way I can write songs, I guess, but I've never been as competent as a player as like some of the other guys. And and so Griffin and Lee, particularly, they're they're real jazz guys. They understand that world, so they've always been showing me this Wayne Shorter stuff, Miles Davis, Herbie Hancock. Um, and finally, like, it all broke wide open for me, them and, like, Felonious Monk, and I just couldn't stop listening. Um, and then that led me to this, like, Frank Zappa s- s- phase for me. And so all of this stuff where the music was getting really expansive became um, really appealing. And, and I've always loved, you know, Dire Straits, Grateful Dead, Pink Floyd, bands that, that can get expansive Sometimes jammy, sometimes not. You hear you hear those elements in the yeah. music, right? I mean, all of you know every artist is thief, right? Yeah, you're, you're picking totally. up little parts of everything. And yeah, it, and, and you try to make it your own. And it's funny. No matter what we do, like there are times where I think like, yeah, this song sounds like Black Sabbath, and then I listen and I'm like, no, nope, we're just some California boys with a bunch of harmonies. Even when we think we're really, yeah. you know, rocking out. So it's we're gonna always sound like us, no matter how how hard we. We don't really try to lean into uh, uh, references or anything, but but no matter how much we try something new, I, I actually take pride in the fact that we end up sounding like ourselves. That's great. Um, but yeah, this next one, there's, you know, you, with piece of vinyl, you only get like forty to forty-five minutes, and so for this record, it only meant six songs because well, I, I read that in an interview. Like, you said it was important to you, maybe just from an integrity standpoint, that you still because we, you know. Albums, the yeah. concept of an album, like and half the people here, and they're all drinking age. They don't know what the fucking album is, but yeah. it was important to you to have that integrity of still putting out an album length collection of material. So. Yeah, I mean, like I love, I love sitting down for those forty to fifty minutes and really letting a whole record um, do what it's going to do to me, uh, whether that's on a drive or on a plane or like on the couch. Um, and to me, that that span of time, this again, totally subjective. That's that's 
that feels right. That feels good. Sort of like, you know, I'll, I enjoy a two-hour movie. I enjoy, But, like, yeah. when you get to those, like, four-hour movies, I'll do it. But like, it's Why, like, Terrence Malick? Right, why? Right, right, you right. don't know. Uh. And, and so, like, with us, it was like, let's, let's keep it within those parameters. But otherwise, let's do whatever the fuck we want. Like, yeah. there's, you know, like, Miles Davis in a silent way. That's a 40-minute album, but yeah. it's two tracks. Um, there's, there's so many. I mean, how many cool tracks are on Kind of Blue? It doesn't seem that's like five, five, yeah, yeah. And a double because, album, yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's so <laughs> much playing, and that's always been, and, and and even like you know, Wish You Were Here, that's five songs. Animals is three songs with two little kind of like half songs, and those albums, even though like Animals is really chewy and there's 15 minute tracks on there. It, to me, as a fan, it, it goes down easy because you're like, yeah, I can wrap my head around what this album's trying to do. Or all those Herbie records that are just four, four yeah. tunes. So we were, we were excited, like, let's stop thinking about economy and let's stop thinking about, like, how fast can we get to the chorus and how fast can we finish the song and just for the sake of, like, radio and what labels want and what these people want. Like, let's do whatever feels good, whatever we want, and then we'll, we'll figure out a way to make an album out of it. What's the name of the new record? Misadventures of Doomscroller. What's the release date? July 22nd. July 22nd. Finally, before we let you go, we are at the Whiskey X. Now, we are enjoying some Isla Single Malt right here. What else do you like to drink on the whiskey front? Are you a bourbon guy? And and how do you like to drink it? Are you generally neat on the rocks in a cocktail? I like it neat. Um, It is typically uh, scotch. That's kind of what first got me into drinking, I feel like. Um, When we were first getting those tours where we were... You know, where you could afford substantial enough where yeah. the writer could have something nice. Yeah, I remember we started putting uh, Talisker and Lafroig on the writer, like just just one a night. Whiskeys, but yeah. it was funny because like we only drank so much, so at the end of every tour there'd be like one cabinet in the closet that was like seven unopened Talisker. So, so Talisker is <laughs> up at the Isle of Skye. So yeah. if you go up that way. Isla, like I said, is over here. But the other, the biggest region, uh-huh. and there's some outpouring out there, and when you go visit Scotland, mm-hmm. which you need to do, uh, is Speyside, where you're going to get your McAllens and Glenlivets. Cool. All the Glens are over there. Oh, you know? okay. Uh, Glenmore and G and all yeah. that. So I would highly recommend to you, if you guys ever do, is spend a couple of days, because the people are awesome. I think, oh, And there's uh, yeah. like a minister of charm in Scotland. They Truly. walk around, they're like, you know, we need more black-faced sheep up here, and yeah. this, and his accent. Make that a little strong. Bring it up. Bring <laughs> yeah. it up, Scotty. Bring it up a little. Yeah. Uh, but it's definitely worth doing it. Yeah. And uh, I don't want to keep you, man. I know you You got you know a little more whiskey to yeah, drink, yeah. and then uh, and, uh, you got to get out there and perform tonight. Yeah. But um, Taylor Goldsmith, what a, what a pleasure talking to you, man. Yeah, fun, man. Fan of the band. Thank Looking you. forward to the set tonight and uh, and maybe seeing you down the line. So, yeah, man. Cheers. Thank cheers, you. Bro. And happy birthday, Gus. Yeah, all right. February, thank you. was it? Yeah, it was February, yeah. Beautiful. Cool. Thanks, Thanks, man. All right, man. Cheers. Yeah. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, R, R. Ah, oh, it happened again. Whenever I randomly decide to perform the alphabet on this show, I always get stuck on those three R's. Guess it's because of my close personal relationship with Batiste Rum, known far and wide as the 3R Rum, because they practice regenerative agriculture, use renewable energy, and make responsible choices. The makers of Batiste Rum employ an eco 
positive solar-powered manufacturing process from beginning to end. It's the only known beverage alcohol in the world to have a climate-positive natural production process without the purchase of carbon offsets. Batiste Rum is made from 100% pure fresh cane juice, not molasses or sugar crystals. If you like your tequila 100% agave, then you'll like your rum 100% cane juice. It's an incredibly damn delicious rum to be enjoyed neither in cocktails. I got two great offer codes from Batiste for you. Go to BatisteRum.com. That's B-A-T-I-S-T-E-R-H-U-M.com. Fill up your cart. Enter code WWD15 at checkout to get 15% off all orders. And if you want to try their delicious reserve rum, and you should, enter code RESERVE to get 20% off. Folks, Batiste Rum is proof that great taste with true sustainability is not a goal for tomorrow, but a reality today. And that is as simple as ABC. This episode's kind of like a whiskey lover's dream, isn't it? Come on. While at the Whiskey X Brooklyn, I also had a chance to catch up with my buddy Jonathan Wingo of Smooth Ambler. Smooth Ambler is a distillery in the hills of West Virginia. They make bourbon and rye, and they make delicious bourbon and rye. I had a chance to chat with John about the flavor profile of the whiskey, about making drinkable whiskeys versus collectible whiskeys. And also, you want to know which smooth ambler expression will hook any whiskey drinker for life? Jonathan's got the answer. And also, the best cocktail to make with smooth ambler. Take it away, Dan Dunn in Brooklyn. How would you describe whis- uh, uh, smooth ambler's flavor profile for those who haven't had it? Yeah, I think, well, flavor profile, I, I'd say like, the biggest way to think about us is we really try to focus on making whiskey that people want to drink. So we're in this big collection world. Uh, a lot of people like to hold on to stuff. We just we want to play with uh, different flavors, maybe more traditional flavors, and then get stuff out there that people just are comfortable with. So, but when you say that, yeah, then there always comes the dreaded easy drinking, yeah, which sure. can have negative connotations yeah, yeah, yeah. to it. Where it's like some people look at that and go, "It means it's." There's flimsy. There's nothing to it, which right. is certainly not the no, case with no, Smooth no. Ambler. So when you say what people want to drink, you mean maybe not like a big peat bomb or something like that. Yes, yeah, so I, I, I think, and this is just like a little bit of tooting horn, is that we do want complex whiskey. We want stuff that people can talk about, but that is not why we're making it to hang out, to have a good time. And for us, it needs to be interesting and complex or else why are we having the conversation? It's got to be a contribution to whatever every, there's a lot of good whiskey out there so yeah. for us it's really just about like how can we put our thumbprint on it our lens on it i i personally like that we are we buy a lot of whiskey and we make a lot of whiskey and i like that we play with that and uh for a long time transparency was a big issue in the american whiskey and we want to move past the idea of like we're not only telling the truth we we like to be creative we want to know what you're going to do with all of these different things out there. Um, but that doesn't have to mean novelty or niche. It can still be enjoyable, hang out, put it in a solo cup. It's really about not having all the fussy rules that typically come with or all the gatekeeping that happens in the, in the industry. Someone who has never had smooth ample, God forbid. But all three of you out there that never <laughs> There's a couple people out there that have it. If you want to hook them, What's the expression you suggest they try first? I, I, I think contradiction rye is, uh, it shows kind of what we're wanting to do, but also uh, it, 
it is different than what exists. It's great. It's also one that's a higher proof, 105, but doesn't drink that way. I think that's a good way to see our ethos and kind of our flavor palette. Uh, you get an idea of what we like to drink and what we like to, to you make. Get, you get one cocktail, you're in an award thing, and you got your, you're gonna make one cocktail with the contradiction, what is it? I'm a highball man. I think, I think it's very difficult to hide flaws in a highball, and I like to drink with uh, a lot of people over a long amount of time, and it's a bit of a cop-out, but I, it, I'm obsessed with highballs. The real answer, I think, uh, the way to show it off is a 50-50 Manhattan. Like, take a, an awesome vermouth, and it'll stand up to half of the cocktail being vermouth. I love that. It's lower ABV, it's very robust, interesting, the whiskey's still there. That's maybe the answer you're looking for, but I, I'm, I'm a highball guy. I, I'm ready to go get one right yeah, now. Yeah. I want you to get back in there. There's so many people over there at the booth. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to hang with us. Jonathan Wingo, ambassador for Smooth Ambler, here with me, Dan Dunn, at the Whiskey X Brooklyn. I don't like you because you're dangerous. That's right. Nice, man. I am dangerous. And finally, I had the pleasure of chatting up Christy Deuce of Rabbit Hole. It's no secret what a fan I am of Rabbit Hole. I've featured it here numerous times on this show, on the Adam Carolla show. I just, I'm, a, I'm an evangelist of that brand. I love it. And Christy, well, she works for the brand, so you know she loves it. She uh, offered up another great cocktail recommendation. Again, a, just a cornucopia of whiskey knowledge today on the show, folks. She also, uh, we got into discussing how to avoid ruining perfectly good cherries. I want to ruin cherries. Cherries are endangered. Making that up. I think. Maybe they are. I don't know. Isn't everyone? <laughs> I guess at the end of the day, we're all endangered. Oh. What is your favorite rabbit hole cocktail? You're, you're at home, you're kicking back, I'm gonna treat myself tonight, what are you drinking? Probably an old fashioned with Derringer because it's that extra special flavor, a little bit of sweetness. When she says Derringer, we're talking about a certain expression of Correct. rabbit hole. That is our bourbon finish in Pedro Jimenez sherry casks. Pedro Jimenez played for the Yankees, remember, right? Oh no, different guy? No. <laughs> It's a sherry cask. I know this. It wouldn't have me here if I didn't know this. Um, so you're going to do that. That's right. gonna be what you're going to do? Right. With a, with a really nice cherry. That's the key. The cherry is the key? Yes. I would think the whiskey was the key. But. Well, it, it is, but you have to garnish. Always you garnish. the best cherries in the world. Right. If the whiskey's crap, that cherry's going to taste like crap. But we don't have that problem Couldn't with rabbit have said it better. Correct. <laughs> and that's going to do it for this episode of what we're drinking i want to thank taylor goldsmith of dawes they got a new record coming out in july you want to check that out they're on tour robert ferreira jefferson's ocean jonathan wingo of smooth ambler christy deuce of rabbit hole and most importantly i want to thank you folks i know you got a lot of options out there what you can listen to podcast wise and uh, you choose to hang out with me Speaking of hanging out with me, I invite you to follow me at The Imbiber on Instagram and Twitter. The podcast's Instagram is WWD underscore podcast. I will leave you the words of the great Johnny Carson. Remember, folks, happiness is having a rare steak, a bottle of whiskey, and a dog to eat the rare steak.